0: Welcome to the Shepherd's Chapel Network Family Bible Study Hour with Pastor Dennis Murray. Wisdom is understanding God's Word. Pastor Murray's unique teaching approach brings God's Word alive with meaning as he takes you on a chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse study of God's letter to you, the Bible. And now, here is Pastor Dennis Murray.
1: Good day to you, God bless you. Welcome to Shepherd's Chapel. Welcome to this Family Bible Study Hour. Ready to get back into our Father's Word. You know, we're gonna pick it up today, Numbers chapter 10, verse 29. If you'd care to get your Bible and join us, we'd love to have you. Um, in our last lecture, the uh, the 20th day of the second month of the second year that God brought Israel out of Egypt, uh, they set forth Uh, for the promised land. Broke camp at Sinai uh, with the priest blowing the silver trumpets, uh, short blasts, meaning it's time to move out. Uh, With that, we had the Kohathites responsible for uh, bearing the Ark of the Covenant set forth. Uh, Of course, that cloud by day, the manifestation of our heavenly Father showing them where to go. Uh, Then Judah. Uh, fell in and and his camp. Uh, Then you had the Merarites and the Gershonites with the uh, tabernacle materials, the tent material itself, the boards, bars, and sockets uh, set forth. Then the uh, priest blew the trumpets again, a short blast, meaning it's time for Reuben to move out. After Reuben moved out, Uh, The Kohathites uh, responsible for the remaining furniture and vessels of the tabernacle set forth. Uh, The trumpets no doubt sounded again, short blast. uh, Time for Ephraim to move out. And after Ephraim, the trumpets blown again, the short blast indicating it was time for Dan to set forth. Uh, bringing up the rear. So everything's organized inwardly and outwardly in the nation. Uh, There is one other person that Moses wanted to go with them. Let's find out who that was today. Ask that word of wisdom in Yeshua's precious name. Father, we ask you to open eyes, open ears this day. Numbers chapter 10 verse 29 and it reads, and Mo- Moses said unto Hobab, the son of Raguel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are journeying unto the place of which the Lord said, I will give it you. And that promise made uh, centuries before to Abram, before God even changed his name to Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, verse seven. Come thou with us, and we will do thee good, for the Lord hath spoken good concerning Israel. The Lord has said good things are going to happen to Israel, and I will make sure that good things happen for you. Now, the way this is worded, it's very difficult to determine who it is we're talking about here. Uh, Raguel is actually Ruel of Exodus, Chapter two, verse 18. However, most of you know him by his title, which is Jethro. And Jethro, uh, if you translate it, uh, means his excellency. And of course, you, you know uh, Jethro was the father-in-law of Moses and uh, Zipporah being Moses' wife, Uh, And of course, Zipporah's father was Ruel, also known as Jethro. So Hobab, you read this and it's almost like it's saying Hobab is Moses's father-in-law when actuality Hobab is Moses's brother-in-law. And and In in the book of Exodus, we learned that Jethro, his father-in-law went home shortly after visiting him at Sinai uh, which was approximately Exodus chapter 18 talks about when Jethro came to Sinai to visit Moses and no doubt his daughter. Now, whether Hobab went back home uh, to the land of the Kenites with Jethro, or if he had remained with Moses uh, throughout this period of time, which wouldn't have been a great deal of time, uh, but uh, a, a while, So, but it's not stated. Uh, and of course, when it states Jethro uh, of the the Kenite in, in other places in the Old Testament, he was from the land of the Kenites. He wasn't a Kenite because as it states here, he was a Medianite. And make a note of Genesis chapter 25, verse one in the following verses and you learn who Medan was. Medan was the son of Abraham and his second wife Keturah, so uh, he was a Damic. he wasn't a Kenite being my point. Verse 30, and he, this is Hobab, the brother-in-law to Moses, said unto him, to Moses, I will not go, but I will depart to mine own land and to my kindred. Hobab saying, I, uh, you know, it's been a nice visit, but I think it's time to go home. Uh, will Moses give up? Verse 31. And he being Moses said, leave us not, I pray thee, for as much as thou knowest how we are to encamp in the wilderness, and thou mayest be to us instead of eyes, therefore be to us as eyes, better translated. Now, Moses knew and had every confidence and all the faith in the world that God was going to lead Israel and show them where to encamp. This is not showing a lack of faith or confidence on the part of Moses at this point in time. What he knows is that Hobab is familiar with the land. And if God were to say, okay, we're traveling to Kibroth HaTaAva and then we're going to stop there and set up camp again, Hobab would know, okay, the wells for water are over here. Uh, the springs for water are over there. Uh, the pasture land for the flocks and herds is over here. So he would be, uh, it would be, a, a, he would be a valuable uh, asset to Moses and all Israel and Moses knew it. Verse 32, and it shall be if thou go with us Yea, it shall be that what goodness the Lord shall do unto us, the same will we do unto you. And uh, promising him that he would be well taken care of. Now it's not written here or elsewhere uh, whether Hobab agreed to go or not. Make a note uh, though of Judges chapter one verse 16, which if you read that indicates that Hobab Uh, did uh, honor Moses' request and and made the journey with them. Verse 33, and they departed from the Mount of the Lord three days journey, the Mount of the Lord called Horeb in Exodus chapter three, verse one, uh, which is a range of mountains where you find Sinai, which is an individual mountain, not to confuse you. And the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord went before them in the three days journey to search out a resting place for them. Which way to go and where to stop. And the place, the second place of encampment will be, as I mentioned a minute ago, Kibroth Ava, And if you have a an atlas of, of Bible lands It would be, and measure it out, it would be 22 to 25 miles journey from Sinai. And you might say, well, 22 to 25 miles and they travel for three days, they weren't moving very fast. And you're right, they weren't moving very fast. Uh, But when you consider you're moving 2.1 million people, all their herds, all their flocks, and you got elderly traveling with you, uh, they made pretty good time, actually. And we learn here that the Ark of the Covenant was visibly uh, in front, leading the, the nation to, uh, through the wilderness and the intent, of course, of the Lord was to lead them to the promised land. Uh, that's not going to happen except for uh, two, those being Caleb and Joshua. But the visual presence of the Lord, that cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. Verse 34, and the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day when they went out of the camp. And that protecting uh, shade that, that covered the people. And you see, when you talk about wilderness in the Old Testament, you're talking about desert. And it, it was hot uh, at particular times of the year. And that uh, just even a little bit of shade uh, helps a great deal when it's when you're in the desert. Verse 35, and it came to pass when the ark set forward, each time that that they set forward, that Moses said, rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee before thee. And every time the cloud ascended, Moses would uh, use this probably with a very a, a rather loud voice. Now now Moses had confidence in the Lord and was plenty encouraged in the Lord as we're going to see later in this lecture the spirit of God was upon him. But I think the reason that Moses uh, made the point to say this and probably rather loudly was to encourage uh, others to give others confidence in the Lord that the Lord would rise up and scatter the enemies and and th- that those that hate thee flee before thee verse thirty six when it being the cloud rested, he said, "Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel in the Hebrew this is the ten thousand thousands, uh, which is stated as a uh, a figure for an innumerable group, and it was uh, quite a large group moving across through the wilderness toward the promised land. So three days, though, they've journeyed from uh, Sinai to Kibrath Ava, and it doesn't take long for the complaining and the belly aching to start. Chapter 11, verse one. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and it was evil in His ears in the Hebrew, and the Lord heard it, and His anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them, and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp, those in the outer extremities of the camp and You know God is a consuming fire, uh, Hebrews chapter twelve. Verse 29 will document that. And you know, we had one lesson earlier, Leviticus uh, chapter 10 verse two, when Aaron's older sons, Nadab and Abihu, were consecrated into the priesthood. uh, They offered strange fire before the Lord, and he struck them dead. That was by fire as well. Uh, God does not appreciate those who complain, uh, those who when a little adversity hits uh, wilt like a hothouse lily. Verse two, and the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And uh, other than Jesus Christ uh, himself, Moses and Samuel Uh, were stated by name in in the Old Testament as the greatest intercessors of all time. But no, who did the people cry to? They cried to Moses. And and they didn't see this punishment as chastisement from God. Uh, I think we see unbelief on the part of the people. They don't even believe in this this God that's leading some of them, didn't even believe in this God that's uh, uh, taking them into the promised land. On many occasions, they'll accuse Moses and God of bringing them out in this wilderness to die. Verse three, and he, being Moses, called the name of the place Tabirah, Tabirah, uh, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. Ra means a burning. Uh, some uh, scholars try and say that Ra was a place of encampment. You won't find it in the list of the encampment sites. When we get to chapter 33, what you will find is Kibroth Hata'ava. And I believe that Taberah is just the name because of the burning that struck the outside, the outer extremities of the camp of Israel was stricken by fire. Verse four, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, who shall give us flesh to eat and they wept a lot. Have you you ever been in a room full of babies and one of them starts crying? Before you know it, all of them are crying and the mixed multitude started crying and the rest of Israel started feeling sorry for themselves and they started crying. This mixed multitude, by the way, they'd been in Egypt for 400 years uh, some of Israel had married Egyptian men. Some Israel uh, men of Israel had taken Egyptian wives and that's what this mixed multitude is referring to. But uh, here they go, re- always complaining. Um, they wept as in the desert of, e- of sin in Exodus chapter 16, verse two. This wasn't the first time that this happened and it won't be the last, verse five. They continue. we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks. This literally is grass, I think it probably means herbs, and the onions and the garlic we We caught fish out of the Nile uh, till till we couldn't get any more in our baskets and Ate readily of the fish and oh, those mush, the onions and the garlic and the melons and the cucumbers, uh, which were all cheap and were food of the common workforce in Egypt. We had it so good in Egypt. We should go back to Egypt and, and be, we were better off being in bondage to the Egyptians than we are out here in this wilderness. Uh, where God and Moses brought us to die. Verse six, but now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. And uh, manna, if you translate it, means "what's that?" And it appeared to them uh, over an evening and over and over. Uh, when they didn't have anything else to eat, God fed them manna. Manna, uh, many of you familiar spiritually, go with me spiritually here. Manna is the word of God. And you know, they had grown weary of the manna already. Uh, it was became disgusting to them, as we'll see in, in later in this lecture. Uh, but that's common for man. Man becomes weary of the word of God if you're in the carnal flesh mode. If you're in the carnal flesh mode, uh, you don't want the uh, dull, plain uh, word of God. You want the uh, spicy, uh, tasting good, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic uh, of that the flesh uh, lust after, but they fell a lusting after meat. Verse seven. And the manna, and Moses is gonna describe the manna for us here. The manna was as coriander seed. Coriander is a herbaceous uh, plant with an aromatic uh, seed like fruit. And the color thereof as the color of delium. Delium thought to be uh, amber. And as we learn in Psalm 78, verses 24 and 25, that man did eat angel's food. That's what manna is, is angel's food. Uh, You know, and when I think about on the spiritual level, when we're talking about God's word, you know, many today are hungry uh, for God's word. Ezekiel chapter 37. We've got a valley there of dry bones. Those, they're, they're spiritually dead. And God asked Ezekiel, said, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, well, thou knowest. And God said, prophesy to them. Prophesy what? Prophesy the word of God to them. And he did, and slowly but surely, bone came upon bones, sinew upon sinew. And they, they came back to life and God's word can bring you back to life if you're spiritually dead. Uh, These folks though, uh, the bellyachers and complainers, they wanna go back to Egypt. They don't want God's word. They don't wanna trust in him and believe him and follow him to the promised land. They wanna turn around and go back to Egypt. Verse eight, and the people went about and gathered it, in reference to the manna, and ground it in mills or beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. Verse nine, and when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Every night, uh, God spiritually feeding his people and physically feeding his people, verse 10. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Uh, Moses also was displeased. Moses saw this happen at the Red Sea. Uh, he saw this happen uh, when he was receiving the, uh, the 10 Commandments on Sinai and the golden calf. These people continually tempted the Lord. And when we get to chapter 14, we're going to see that there's a limit to what God will take. You see, in chapter 14, they're going to go so far as to appoint a captain to lead them back to Egypt. Uh, that's when that was the straw that broke the camel's back, and that's when God said, Okay, you're not going to the promised land. Moses is becoming frustrated with these people and it's going to show. Verse 11, and Moses said unto the Lord, wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And here he's referring to himself, Moses. And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people Upon me. Now Moses, uh, you know, that's the voice of despair uh, that we're hearing from Moses, not the voice of unbelief, as we're hearing from uh, those who are belly aching and murmuring and crying all the time. But Moses is beginning to skate on thin ice. If you're familiar with Jeremiah 23, you know what God thinks about those who say, the burden of the Lord. And that's basically what Moses just said. Verse 12, have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them? That thou shouldest say unto me, carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father, beareth the suckling child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers. And again, we hear the voice of despair. Moses is saying they're crying like a bunch of babies. They're acting like a bunch of babies. Do you think I am the father of all these babies that I should pick up 600,000 of them, uh, make that 2.1 million of them and physically carry them to the promised land? Moses is saying, Father, I need some help here. And you know, Moses had broad shoulders Uh, but the commission that was given to Moses, just almost too much for any one man. Verse 13, whence should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, give us flesh that we may eat. Verse 14, I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy. For me, and this is a—he's uh, got a twofold complaint. Moses does. One, it's too much for him to bear all these people. Uh, Two, uh, the flesh. How, where is am I supposed to come up with flesh to feed 2.1 million people? Verse 15. And if thou, Moses, continues speaking to the Lord, deal thus with me: kill me, just as. Elijah, when uh, Jezebel uh, swore that she would kill uh, or die herself unless Elijah died, he ran away after he killed the 450 prophets of Baal and sat down under a juniper tree and basically said the same thing. Lord, just take me now, kill me now. I pray thee out of hand. This is a phrase that means to smite me and strike me with thy hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness, my my own calamity. Verse 16, and the Lord said unto Moses, gather unto me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and officers over them, And bring them under the tabernacle of the congregation that they may stand there with thee. God heard uh, the despair of Moses, and He's answering. Help is on the way. And note, God said, "Pick seventy that you know are of good reputation, uh, that are honest men." Verse seventeen. And I, the Lord continues to Moses, will come down and talk with thee there. And I will take the spirit, and what spirit is on Moses? God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, of course, which is upon thee, and will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. And here, some responsibility given to others to bear the people, this being one of the complaints that Moses had. Verse 18, and say thou unto the people, all the people, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and ye shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt, therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and you shall eat. And boy, are they going to get flesh. They're gonna eat flesh until it comes out of their nostrils. Uh, God is not happy with this group of people at all. But here he's taking care of the second complaint of Moses. The people are crying for flesh. Verse 19, you shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither 10 days, nor 20 days. There's gonna be lots of meat provided. But even a whole month, 30 days, until it come out of your nostrils, reward and punishment. And it be loathsome unto you, because that ye have despised the Lord which is among you and have wept before him, saying, why came we forth out of Egypt? We had it so good in Egypt, catching fish out of the Nile and eating the melons and the cucumbers and the garlic and the onions. The, why did the Lord bring us out here? I think it was to die. They're questioning God's plan. They have no confidence in God. They, they don't really believe God, that they're going to the promised land. They wanna go back to Egypt, 21. And Moses said, the people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen. And thou, referring to God, has said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. Now we're beginning to see a little bit of unbelief in in Moses' voice, a little bit of doubt that God can actually do this. 22, shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them to suffice them? That wouldn't be a good idea, Lord. If we kill the herds and flocks, we won't have a starter for our herds and flocks when we get to the promised land. Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? How are you going to do that, Lord? I couldn't help but think about what uh, the Lord did in Luke chapter nine. How many fish did he feed 5,000 people with? Two fishes and five loaves. And there were 12 baskets of scraps left over. So it wouldn't take all the fish of the sea to feed the 2.1 million at a rate of two fishes would feed 5,000. Again, Moses is skating on thin ice here. Uh, He's doubting God. Verse 23, and the Lord said unto Moses, is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see, in other words, is the Lord's hand too weak to do what I said I can do? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. That's one thing you don't ever want to do, beloved, is doubt the word of God. If God says it, you can take it to the bank. It's going to happen just exactly the way he said. The question, I guess, is for you, have you read his word to know what is going to come to pass? Verse 24. And Moses went out of the tabernacle, in other words, and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. In other words, a semicircle uh, facing uh, towards him. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him, this being Moses, and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70 elders. Now Moses has some help in bearing the people. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. The spirit of God in Acts chapter two uh, did the same. The uh, sons and daughters uh, began to prophesy when the Spirit of God came upon them. And it wasn't in a language that they needed an interpreter uh, to interpret for them. Uh, Everyone understood, including uh, those who spoke, uh, there were people there that spoke every language. I guess that's a good place to stop for today. We'll come back and see how this turns out at Kibrath Hata'aba and see how the Lord is going to feed this many people flesh until it runs out of their nostrils. we got a short message. We'll ask you to listen a moment,
0: won't you please? Genesis 146, the first six chapters in God's word. The world that was. Did you realize there was a world age before this one? Same old world, different age. The creation itself. When were the races created? You see, all the races were created separately and you'll find that documented in these particular CDs. How and what was the sin in the garden? It will be discussed in this series also. This is a must for the serious Bible scholar. For if you do not understand how it was in the beginning, you certainly will never understand the end. I think you will find this series very rewarding and certainly will answer questions that no doubt you have always wondered about. Genesis 146. Hey, I know you're going to enjoy this series.
1: Welcome back, we're glad you could join back with us. Let's have the 800 number please. Uh, 1-800-643-4645. That number good uh, throughout uh, Puerto Rico, the US and Canada. If you have a biblical question that you'd like to pose to possibly be answered on the air, feel free to call that number and leave your question. I say possibly answered in that uh, this program goes into millions of homes around the world and uh, we just simply don't can't get to all the questions. I do know though if the, the Lord wants your question there, it will be on the air. If you're listening by shortwave radio or studying via the internet, Uh, somewhere around the world that's unable to use that 800 number, your announcer at the end of the hour will give you our mailing address. Quite all right to mail your questions in being the point. Please don't ask questions about a specific individual denomination or organization by name. Uh, We just simply won't answer them. We try to teach God's word in a positive uh, format, throwing out negative about others by name serves no purpose, we simply won't do it. Got a prayer request, we can do away with the 800 number. You don't need a telephone. You don't need a mailing address. Your heavenly Father is there for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I encourage you to, when you have major decisions in your life, a career change, a move to another city, uh, to be near family, uh, ask Lord. There's nothing wrong with throwing out a fleece and asking him for uh, a sign and hit to help you make uh, major decisions. We do have these prayer requests, Father. We come united as one in the name of Your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask You to look upon these, Father. You know their needs, uh, financial difficulties, uh, problem marriages, Father. You know if it is Your will, a special blessing on each of these. We also. Uh, lift up our military troops who are in harm's way around the world, Father. We ask you to watch over, guide, direct, touch, heal. In Jesus' precious name, amen, and thank you, Father. Let's get to some questions and see what's on the mind of folks. And first up today, we have Danidra in Ohio. I'd like to know if I ordered some of your CDs instead of sending my love offering as I do monthly Would God think poorly of me? And you know, we teach that there's absolutely nothing wrong with you using part of your tithes or offerings uh, to obtain study materials that enable you to become a better servant of God. You know, the more knowledge you have, the more knowledge you're able to share with your other brothers and sisters and the lord knows that we need uh good teachers today the people are are literally starving to death for the word of god we talked in our lecture today about the the dry bones of ezekiel chapter 37 look around you the the bones are everywhere uh people are not being fed the word of god And if you can obtain knowledge and help teach the word of God, I know he would look favorably upon that. Uh, Jane in Florida. I called the chapel to ask in scripture if I could find the passage that teaches if your character is of God, that we would be so strong figuratively, we could drink poison or play with snakes and be unharmed I'm still looking for this scripture could it be Luke 10:17 through 20 no it's not Luke 10:17 through 20 although the thought is the same there where Jesus said I give you power to tread on serpents who is the serpent the serpent is Satan and you don't want to go playing with Satan Satan and a poisonous snake will bite you if you're playing. Don't play. You order them in the name of Jesus Christ and you have power over them is the teaching of Luke chapter 10, verses 17, 18, and 19. The scripture you're looking for concerning uh, that you can drink anything and you won't be harmed or you can Uh, handle snakes and you won't be harmed, Mark chapter 16, verse 18. But you know, that, uh, I would encourage people to take that spiritually. I know there are churches that take it literally, and there are people who are bitten and die uh, because they take it literally uh, for what it's worth. Darlene in Texas, can you repent when you're in the millennium or is it too late? Well, why risk waiting, Darlene? You know, first let me answer your question. It's never too late until after the white throne judgment and the lake of fire. Now, I I would encourage people not to look on the millennium as a second chance. There are no second chances. If you heard if you had a chance to hear the word of God and and live the way He wants you to uh, by understanding His word, and you reject it, uh, there are no second chances in the millennium. However, uh, the millennium, the Lord's day, will be a great time of teaching. But you know, no one is judged to the Lake of Fire at this point with one exception, and that is Satan himself. So uh, I would say at this point, uh, uh, it's not too late. Dalton in Texas, what is the white throne judgment? Questions on that today. Revelation uh, chapter 20, verses 11 and 12. The books are opened and everyone is judged according to their works. And who is it that does the judging? It's uh, our heavenly father, of course. And he decides whether you go into the eternity or whether you go into the lake of fire with Satan and his. I'm gonna say this is Aleel, and I'm gonna guess we probably Oh, if I can tell by your signature there, they couldn't read your name, so. Anyway, you're from Arkansas. Is it okay not to attend church services? I'm not quite sure why it doesn't really appeal to me, but could you please help me in this area? Well, if God's word isn't taught at the church that you're going to, and all you hear is some preacher Uh, read one verse out of the Bible and then talk about it for 45 minutes, Uh, that would kind of turn me off uh, as well. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 20 states the words of Jesus, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them also. So, um, you know, uh, there are churches who would tell you that you're going to hell if you don't come to their church, uh, particularly if you don't drop some shekels uh, in the hat when it's passed by you at their church, but that shows you where their heart is. And uh, if their heart is not teaching God's word, uh, but raising shekels, uh, I'd not uh, grace the presence of their doorway either. William in New York, my question, is there a time difference between between when we meet the Lord in the air and when his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives? All right, well, you know, we meet him in the air and what that means, and I know where you're pulling from, first uh, Thessalonians chapter four, verse 16, 17, 18. But what that means there is that not we're literally going to, leave the earth and meet him up in the sky. Um, That's what people call the rapture theory. Uh, What it means is, though, the word air is the breath of life. And we're gonna meet him in spirit bodies. In other words, as we uh, are taught by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52, and the following verses when that last trump, that's the seventh trump, that's when Jesus returns at the second advent. When that trump sounds, uh, there is no more flesh and we meet him in our spirit bodies. But you can easily document in God's word that Jesus is coming here. We're not going anywhere to meet him in the air. Uh, Acts chapter one, along about verse 17 and the following verses. make that a little earlier about verse 12 in the following verses. We learn there that he's gonna descend just the way he ascended after uh, the 50 days of Pentecost. Uh, Zechariah chapter 14 is a second witness that his feet hit the Mount of Olives. David from Oregon. Do you know what year Jesus walked on the earth? Does the Bible say, What year? Well, David, do you know what B.C.? You know, we have a major division of time uh, that we go by. Uh, Do you know what B.C. means? It means before Christ. Uh, A.D. is an abbreviation for the Latin uh, phrase, Anno Domini. Anno Domini means in the year of our Lord. And that's when he walked the earth, is when that time changed, which would be approximately the first uh, 33 years of A.D. Anno Domini. Ruth in Indiana. Where is it in the Bible about clean and unclean food? You'll find it in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14, uh, second witness, uh, Leviticus chapter 11. And you'll have some who will try and tell you that, well, that's Old Testament. That doesn't apply to us anymore. Well, we have the same human bodies that Moses had. He lived under the law, he was expected to eat clean. Uh, We live under a dispensation of grace, which means we atone for our sins differently but our human bodies are just as susceptible to get sick as they were at the time of Moses. So uh, don't let anyone, and most people are twisting scripture, uh, trying to get it to where they think they can still eat pork bacon and it's okay because it was received with thanksgiving. Um, referring to 1 uh, Timothy chapter 4 three, four is it, Um, I shouldn't have said the scripture. I believe it's first Timothy chapter three or four, along about verses three and four, where it states everything is good to be, that is received with thanksgiving. But they skip verse three, which states that God created to be received. Uh, Acts chapter 10, they say that Peter, ate unclean food. Peter didn't eat unclean food in Acts chapter 10. God was teaching Peter and us that you don't call any man, Gentile uh, or whatever uh, unclean or common, which is to say unclean, meaning that the, the game was about to be changed. Game's a bad word. The plan was about to be changed where salvation was open to all, not just Israel. Wally in Mississippi, Uh, where in the Bible can I find the priest die in the Holy of Holies and they have to pull him out with a cord from the temple? Well, you won't find that, uh, Wally, in the Bible. I think what you're talking about, though, uh, I guess would be of interest to you since you're talking about the priests going into the Holy of Holies. Uh, They did receive, Israel did receive instructions to put bells on the high priest's garment. So when he goes into the Holy of Holies, and that was just one day of the year that that was uh, acceptable. That was the day of atonement, which was the 10th day of the seventh month, Tishri on the Hebrew calendar. And when they heard the bells ringing in there, Uh, behind the veil, they knew that the high priest was still alive, Uh, and I don't know of any recording where anyone died in there. Uh, Of course, they took the blood of a goat for themselves and the blood of an ox for the people in obtaining atonement, that means forgiveness. Kasha from Washington, Uh, good afternoon, I just finished the February newsletter, Sweet as Honey. I do tend to eat and digest, but what am I to do if no one wants to sow that seed? Do I still speak and let it fall on deaf ears? What shall be done because they can't be forced? And I think you're wording this a little funny. You sow the seed by speaking what you've learned to others, your question is what if no one is interested? Well, uh, Matthew chapter 10 verse 14 uh, gives us a good instruction on what to do if what you're saying falls on deaf ears. Uh, Matthew 10:14, and whosoever will not hear your words shake the dust off of your feet. That means uh, kick the dirt off of your feet uh, on their location and you go to another location where someone is uh, willing to listen. You know, God considers his word as precious seed and we should treat his word as precious seed. And you don't cast your pearls before swine is the teaching of Jesus Christ. What that means is you don't uh, waste your time and the precious seed uh, on someone who doesn't care. Uh, you keep the precious seed and share it with those who do at least care and then it has a chance of uh, germinating, uh, speaking spiritually. Ed in California, those who participate in the first resurrection, where do they dwell during the millennium? What does that home look like? Is it here on earth? And Uh, Yes, boy, do they get a home in the millennium, and it's a very, very special home. You can read about it in Revelation chapter 20, verse four. It's verse five and six that tell us uh, about the first resurrection, uh, over whom the second death, the death of the soul, has no power. But in verse four of Revelation 20, we learn those who don't worship the antichrist Uh, reign with Jesus Christ for a 1,000 years, that 1,000-year period, the millennium, and he will be here on earth. Uh, You can get a peek at your home uh, in Ezekiel chapter 44, which is in the millennium, Ezekiel chapter 40 through uh, Ezekiel chapter 48, the end of Ezekiel, are all in spiritual bodies in the millennium. Solomon in Virginia. Dear Pastor Dennis, I am Solomon. I'm 10 years old and I'm from Virginia. Can I die in my spiritual life? God bless you. Well, I think you mean your spiritual body. There are people who are spiritually dead in their flesh bodies because they're like those bones of Ezekiel 37 we keep bringing up today. Uh, but, and I think you mean your spiritual body, and yes, your spiritual body can die. No one's has as yet, not even Satan, but it's called the second death of Revelation chapter 20. But that isn't going to happen to you, why? Because I know you believe on Jesus Christ and have accepted him as your savior, Solomon. Christ is your savior, and you try to always do the right thing And when you do mess up, which we all do because we all fall short, you know to repent. You're not going to suffer the second death, the death of the soul. You are going to go into the eternity and live with God uh, and the others who don't go in the lake of fire forever. Claude in Alabama, I was watching your program and I heard that when you die, your soul immediately goes to heaven. My question is, if that's true, does that mean everyone goes to heaven? And Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses six and seven, we learn there that when we die, the flesh returns to the earth, and the spirit returns to God from which it came. And uh, to answer your question, yes, everyone goes uh, to paradise, but you have to understand that there are two sides uh, to heaven. Uh, Luke chapter 16, uh, we learn about the gulf, which is a, actually a medical term, and it's but it's a crevice that cannot be crossed. And in Luke chapter 16, you learn that the rich man uh, who was in terrible agony could not cross that gulf. Uh, if you have an apocrypha, 2nd Esdras uh, chapter seven, verse 77, and the following verses give even a better peek at the bad side of the gulf. Terry in Canada, thank you with my whole heart. You're welcome with my whole heart. Uh, Thank you for sending your signal to Saskatchewan, Canada. Uh, I feel like I'm alone up here, but Uh, I know I'm never alone. My question, in the book of Zechariah, there are seven eyes, chapter three, verse eight. You wrote, it's actually chapter three, verse nine, uh, close. Is this seven people that stand alone today? How can they differ from the 7,000 elect? I hope I can be answered somehow, and I hope you're watching the program because you're going to get your answer. Uh, These seven eyes of Zechariah chapter three, verse nine are mentioned again in the following chapter, chapter four, verse 10, and it states there, the eyes of the Lord uh, 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 on earth. In other words, who are the eyes of the Lord on earth? You hit it with your 7,000 elect. The seven eyes are uh, symbolic of the 7,000 elect. Jeff in Texas, Revelation eleven seven. please explain is the beast antichrist that kills the two witnesses. Yes, it is. In Revelation 13, you have two beasts. The first beast of Revelation chapter 13 mentioned is the one world political system. The second beast of Revelation 13 is the antichrist. Um, and both go into the lake of fire in Revelation chapter 19, verse 20. Uh, the beast there in Revelation 19:20 is the one world uh, order, the system, the political system. Uh, the false prophet is none other than the antichrist. Both go into the lake of fire before the white throne judgment. They, they get to warm it up first. Janus and Arkansas, what are the two tribes of Judah that make up Judah and the 10 tribes that make up Israel? Judah and Benjamin make up the nation of Judah today that split during the time of Solomon's son Rehoboam. The other 10 tribes, of course, make up the northern 10 tribes. I'm out of time, I want you all to know that I love you a great deal, why? because you enjoy studying God's word. You're not like those dry bones of Ezekiel chapter 37. We are brought to you by your tithes and offerings. If we've helped you, help us keep coming to you and to bring the word to our brothers and sisters who are lost in this world of darkness. One thing most important though, it's you stay in his word every day. Every day in your father's word is a good day, even with trouble, do you know why? It's because Jesus,
0: Yeshua, he is the living word. Hearing God's word with understanding will change your life. We hope you have enjoyed studying God's word here on the Shepherd's Chapel Family Bible Study Hour with Pastor Dennis Murray. If you would like to receive more information concerning Shepherd's Chapel, you may request our free introductory offer. Our introductory offer contains the Mark of the Beast CD, our monthly newsletter with a written Bible study, a CD catalog, and a list of written reference works available through Shepherd's Chapel. To request our free introductory offer by telephone, call 800-643-4645 24 hours a day. You may also request our introductory offer by writing to Shepherd's Chapel. P.O. Box 416, Gravett, Arkansas, 72736. Once again, that's Shepherd's Chapel, P.O. Box 416, Gravett, Arkansas, 72736. We invite you to join us for the next in-depth Bible study each weekday at the same time. Thank you for watching today's program, and God bless you.